So aloha, everybody out there. Aloha, all you uh, money makers. This is Indar, and I'm your Hawaii money guy. And welcome to episode 12. And we're featured here, David Bruce. David's a great friend of mine. Uh, we've known him. For, I met him from a private mastermind, just like-minded individual. And I'm excited to talk story with him and just share with you guys some experience, strength, and hopes with you guys. So let's do this. Let's get started, guys. And let's jump on into it. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys and let's get started in today's content. So aloha guys, I'm here with David and we're super excited to just talk store and hang out. Um, David's been a good friend of mine for a few years now and uh, we met in the Maui Mastermind and it's been that group itself it's just such a tight knit group. I feel like everyone in that group, we become friends like a lot quicker than a normal friend you you, you would have um, because that group, uh, we're, we're like-minded individuals, all entrepreneurs. And me and David here, we're on the same island even or grew up on the same island. And we just heard that same struggles or that same uh, background of how, what it takes kind of in this business. Um, and the growth mindset of the business. And it just made us all become closer a lot quicker, I think, because uh, we've all struggled ourselves and we all have that same growth pattern together. We're all trying to grow. Yeah. Thank you, David, for coming on to the podcast. You know, introduce yourself and tell everybody. Yeah. Who you are and, yeah. Yeah, for sure. First of all, thanks for, for having me. Um, it's, it's been really great to get to know you uh, and just follow your journey. And like you were saying, how we connected um, to the Maui Mastermind. And, you know, sometimes it pays to uh, make friends. And, and it's been an incredible journey yeah. um, through that group. Um, so my intro, it's, it's I like to call it a, like a long, slow burn into real estate, which, you know, it's not typically what you hear. It's more like a lot of them is like, yeah, I got into real estate two years and I did 100 million last year or whatever. Uh, obviously not that fast, but um my first thing was I was I was actually in high school and my brother's best friend, um, he brought this game home and it was called Rat Race. And I was like, oh, okay, what the heck is that? That's okay. interesting. Right. I don't know if you ever played that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but that yeah. was like that was like a little light bulb for me. Right. I think I was like 15, 16. I was like, OK, this is like Monopoly on crack. I, I like this. <laughs> and it's like it makes it real. Um, so I kind of put that in my pocket. And then I was in, in college down in San Diego. I was, um, senior year and I was in the room with my, my college roommate and we had this guy that was like Kramer, like larger than life guy. And he bursts in the room and he's like, Bruce, Ben Seuss, you gotta read this book. It was like 1999. And of course it was rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. And yeah. so I read this like literally page for page with my buddy Van Seuss, who is now my partner today that I've, I've been working with him for over a decade. And so that was like the, the second little light bulb for me. It, the light didn't fully come on yet uh, for me, but for Doug, it did. So we graduated and I wasn't ready to, to grow up yet. So I went and lived in Europe for a year. He went on to become an appraiser and then he started flipping properties. Mm. Um, and for me, I was like, ah, okay, cool. Um, so I come back and I actually did like this humanitarian missions thing here in Kona, Hawaii around 2000. And um, again, I still wasn't ready, but I still had it in the back of my mind. Um, ended up meeting my wife. We, she's from New Zealand and we ended up staying here cause it was like a middle, middle ground. We started a band together. We were, we were 
we toured for about 10 years doing music, mostly in Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. But all in the back of my mind, I was like, music is going to end someday. Like, real estate is it. Hmm. So um, that came to an end. And I, I literally called up my buddy, Doug. By this point, he had flipped maybe 200 properties. And he, he started during the crash, like everyone's running away from real estate, but he was prepared. And, and I, I basically called him up and I was like, Doug, I'm moving to your town. Um, I kind of didn't give him a choice, you know, and it, it, I hadn't been around him in 10 years. We're still buddies, but he, you know, he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I just, I see you crushing it. You don't have to pay me anything. I just need you to learn your business. He's like, okay, Bruce, you know, so I, I moved my family because I, I had no other, I had no other option. I just knew that um, real estate is how I was going to get to financial freedom. And so I, I started working at a restaurant at night and then I was shadowing him uh, during the day and I was doing it for free. Uh, but if you make yourself indispensable to somebody, you're going to get hired and you're going to create value and, and, you know, that's something that you probably get a lot. You, you know, you get people reaching out to you. It's like, well, hey, what can you, you know, how can, what can you do for me? And really it's like, if, if you want to get into real estate, if you can bring value to Indar, if you can bring value to my buddy, Doug, or myself, then it's going to naturally create opportunity. And that's, that's sort of what, what happened. Um, and it morphed into creating a job for myself where, I was doing acquisitions. I was door knocking, like back in the days when hundreds of properties were getting released. That was super interesting. And that was, what that market, was pretty crazy. What market were you doing it in first? Where, uh, um, that, was, um, that was in SoCal. So oh, they would so. release like, like 20 or 30 or more properties mm -hmm. in a day. And so, but you didn't know until that morning, right? So they get the addresses and I just race out to the properties. And you, I'd literally go and knock on the door and I would just, I would, the whole mission was what's the rehab like, and you're taking mental pictures, you knock on the door and you're like, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm, your house is up for, for auction today. <laughs> Most of the time people were nice. And, and I, I was just trying to get my foot in the door and I just like, you know, is there any way possible that I could come check it out? And usually they would say yes. And then sometimes you'd get like, get the F off my property. And like they chase you off and um, yeah. So that, that was a real interesting learning experience dealing with, with people. And so I literally, I do like a mental picture. I'd walk around and be like, okay, it needs new paint, new carpet. Uh, that roof looks really bad. Yeah. And I, we just do like a quick rehab and I call him up and he's like, okay, I think it needs 60 to 75,000 to rehab. Um, and then he'd do his quick, you know, run on his ARV and that's how he would get, his offers in. Um, so anyways, um, that was my kind of intro into starting real estate. Um, and about you know, that you, time, you just yeah. said something. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have that talent. I, I, I picture that same thing. I can walk through a house and I just memorize it in my head. Like I can picture the, exactly what everything is in a house right now, just off the top of it. I, I don't think actually a lot of people have that, that talent to, I think visual memorization or or just seeing what uh even the fact of understanding what the rehab needs to be done sometimes. Yeah, it's is, is, it's, it's weird. I'll I'll 
I'll close my eyes and it'll just kind of like repicture it, you know, walk yeah. through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did that for about a year and it was going great. And then my, my father got sick and I decided, well, I want to be with him before he rides the lightning to heaven. Wow. Um, and I think all along my, my plan was to, to go back to North Carolina anyway, because my family's there and that's where he was at. So the way that I stayed connected to Doug, the guy I was shadowing, uh, um, I just said, you know, hey, you're, you're paying at that time. Hard money was three points and 12 percent. Mm -hmm. I and that. I said, yeah. I said, hey, um, let me raise money for you. I'll do two and 12. Didn't matter to him. He's like, sure, it's cheaper for me. So I started uh, raising private capital for his flips. And that was a mm -hmm. way I could stay connected. And um, I was, you know, earning two points, you know, it was, it wasn't, it was, wasn't great. And the whole idea was, I'm going to start my empire in North Carolina. The only problem is I've never lived in the South. You know, I'm from SoCal, mm -hmm. water, surf. I mean, surfing is a part of my life. I, I try to get in the water at least almost every day. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get it done in North Carolina. It wasn't our hand. <laughs> um, and so we lasted like nine months there. And so I ended up moving back to Hawaii and I was still raising private capital and I, I wanted to do real estate in Hawaii, which is, uh, as you know, and the whole idea was, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to crack Hawaii real estate. And that's not easy. Um, so in the meantime, I, I kind of got involved in the film industry. Basically was still raising private capital and I hit a stretch in about two, 2016 where I, I basically um, went broke. And it was Christmas time and I couldn't pay my rent. I just hit a snag where the film stuff wasn't coming through and then the loans didn't come through. And so I literally had to borrow $10,000 just to pay rent and like have a Christmas, like a, like meager Christmas. Mm -hmm. And that was a super humbling moment. And that was when I was like, I have to get into real estate on my own. And even my partner, Doug, was like, Bruce, you know this business. You just got to step out. And, and, and again, this goes back to mindset. I just I couldn't get my mindset wrapped around taking on other people's money. That's a, it's, it's very serious to me, you know, when you're raising private capital. Yeah, so it was my mom who was like, you know, I'll put up money for your first house. So I bought my first house in Hawaiian beaches. Oh man, nice. that's, that was an interesting experience. Bought that for 50, 3,000, put 57 into it and sold it for 167 back in like 2016. Um, yeah, so that's sort of my long, like slow burn into real estate. So I started flipping houses at that point in Hawaii. Then I jumped into Maui, um, done, did some spec homes. And then during um, one of the flips in Maui, we came across this property in uh, Kihei, where we, we were we were doing 28 affordable condos, and we can go into that a little bit later. But um, doing some development stuff, so it's kind of a, a like I said, a long slow burn into real estate, like literally 15 years, you know, sure. of actually getting into it. So yeah, we can dive into that property now. So that. I know you're doing the development in Maui. How did that 
tell me before how did so you bought the land or you found a deal how'd you decide to kind of get into that development i mean development's a big step uh, a lot of people uh, agents include think it's simple uh you know they throw they throw oh yeah just build four houses on this lot you know it's easy you know just go get some permits and put up a house and um people don't know the behind the scenes when you developing you know the permits and the dealing with the city and county how, how did you first stem to getting into that and uh, what was uh, some of the learning curves i guess early on uh a lot um i think what's the tahitian proverb you kind of walk into your future backwards or um i i this property came up and the guys we were working with on a flip he's actually one of the largest developers in maui and he's a family friend i've known him since he was i was a kid and he's like hey dave um a lot just came up super rare in kihei it's zoned to be four lots but you know we've built over a thousand doors here in maui we could rezone it and so i wasn't really trying to become a developer it's just i think being opportunistic is important in real estate and i was like okay cool you know let's let's at least look at it and we put together the performa and it was like 15 million gross you know to you know selling it and um yeah so that's sort of how i walked into it and the challenges have just been enormous like just one after the other development is no joke especially in hawaii yeah um long story short we basically got denied by the city council and that was a case of um, the NIMBYs, as we call them, not in my backyard, people uh, basically spreading misinformation that our land is a wetland. And there were literally two blocks in from the ocean. There's development all around it. Like every, in fact, we have a house, there's a house on our, our land, like been there since 1946 and somehow it's a wetland. And it was like a classic case of, Hey, if you say it, it becomes truth. If you say it enough, and especially in Hawaii, you know, like, like, oh, you hear about Waipulani, you know, like it just goes out and then it becomes truth and it's not, you know, we have the engineer report saying, no, it's not a wetland. So that was, that was hard, man. Like I spent two days of all these people coming out and they'd say like, oh, you're a greedy developer. You're this and that. I'm like, you know, part of it. You know, it became a, a heart piece for me because I've, I've seen a lot of friends, I'm sure you have too, get priced out of paradise living here in Hawaii. It's so expensive, right? Yeah. And so it really has become like, I want to help, you know, people, you know, live here and sustain here and, and thrive. And so, you know, we were going to be selling condos 200,000 below market value. And that's a big deal, you know. Um, but we lose a lot of people every month. They just, you know, they, they lose, they give up hope of ever buying a piece of the land. And that's what I told the city council. I said, I just want to give locals, because you had to be local. Um, it was income restricted. So you had to be a resident, couldn't be like a mainland buyer. And I just told them, I was like, I just want to help people own a piece of the land that are from here. 
and they didn't they just went with sort of the mob and so that was frustrating but the beauty of real estate is always having a, a exit strategy a secondary yep. one so so you guys are going to no develop it now you're going to turn it to four houses right is that the next pivot of it um, yeah no well we're just we're going to subdivide it and sell the land so yeah and 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 just kind of move on and uh, um it, it's you know it's not what we had planned but you know is what it is and i learned a lot and i'd like to continue it you know i think that there's such a need here and if you can figure it out crack the code there's so much opportunity to help people um it's really it's not for the faint of heart though i mean it took us two years to to kind of get through this process to, to figure that out um yeah so, so guys, any, anyone listening out there, if you want to do a development, get ready. And, and he's not even saying the amount of other steps it took to just get permits to get even to the city council. There is a lot involved in, in getting your ducks in a line to be able to, to do the process of re rezoning something. Um, ultimately, um, you know, it's hard to change. Have you, have you gone, have you gone through that? Have you rezoned uh, anything? I've had deals presented to me and then I did my due diligence to try to get it done. And I was like, no way. Um, you you first got to start with the neighborhood. You got to get the neighborhood to allow it. Um, once you get the neighborhood, then you got to go to city council. Um, and then even after city council, um, you know, then you got to get approvals from DPP, Department of Permitting. Um, and then that's just to do it. And then uh, all the legal fees, uh, you know, lawyers who draft the documents, you know, it's, it's a full-time, full-time gig, full-time job just to do that. And uh, for me, I'm trying to flip, you know, 90, I'm trying to get to 90 houses a year. I didn't have time to, to be doing that because yeah. <laughs> it's a, you yeah. need to have somebody full-time doing all the paperwork and the follow-ups, going down in Sydney County, see if they got the paperwork, <laughs> even that it, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's kind of a joke, but it's the truth. There, our city is so there, backed up. Yeah, there are so many stories of that. You know, like two steps forward, four steps back, or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, you know, that being said, if you can get through it, and you you can you can wait it out, the yeah. the upside is enormous. Like our our performer was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. Oh yeah, of course, if you can develop it but the, you know there's uh, there's a lot of guys actually know who will even just get the development issued and done and then they'll sell off their project or some guys i know just subdivide uh there's a guy that just subdivides yeah. lands um gets he has a lawyer subdivides the land that sells off the parcels you know um can just that alone is full-time uh you can make yeah we, we had a another developer approach us because they wanted to buy it um uh, it was the grand wilea they wanted to buy it for their housing credits um and use it for their and had it gone through we probably would have just sold it to them um, and and in fact it's interesting uh just yesterday we we were talking about the election results and they're like okay i know you guys lost the vote but the city council flipped and it's now five four in your favor 
He's like, you, you guys want to reapply? So we're, we're kind of wading through that. I don't know if we will, because it just feels like you're at the mercy of like what they had for breakfast or who's, who's going to say what? I don't, I don't think we will. I don't know. We'll How much did it cost to apply? How much money does it take to apply paperwork? Um, our all in was 700,000. The entitlement process, engineering, all the meetings, the lawyers, the rezoning, carrying costs. So we bought the land for a million. We were all in one seven. Um, yeah. So it went from 32K per door. Now we're up to like two, I think it's 210. So it's still, it's still pretty good. Um, but it's not where we were hoping to be. So, yeah. There's a saying they say about developers, they go broke every 10 years because they're always chasing the dream, chasing these big payouts. Because <laughs> the payout's unreal. The payouts are are, are crazy. And uh, yeah, uh, and I, other... I kind of just, I kind of went with, okay, I know these guys, they've, they've built a thousand doors. And I guess that would be sort of the cautionary tale of just because somebody's done it so many times, you know, they were just kind of, I think, resting on, you know, what's been done. But things change all the time, mm. uh, particularly in political situations, which this is what it was. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll, we'll revisit. Maybe we won't. <laughs> it, it might work out. Still good. Never know. Yeah. But, uh, the development scares me. And then the other thing, I've even looked at some, like, five four or five house stuff or just building four or five homes. And um, even that I don't want to deal with because for me to build four houses, you know, I don't get paid until the last house. Normally, you know, your first house, you're just paying back investors and second house, you're paying back yeah. loans. Yeah, Most of the time, all your money is tied, tied in the back end of a deal. And, um, you know, I'm being, waiting for the fifth house to sell before I get paid. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you that's, can structure. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Have you uh, gotten into CPRing in Oahu or anywhere else? No, I mean, I've I've talked to CPR lawyers to do some of them, but I've never pursued it because of that that issue right there. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. I've had I've had a friend who was uh, trying to do just a CPR of a single lot, just into two, and. Um, city and county everybody said okay and then in mid whatever mid project uh plumbing or the, the city comes back and says uh we can't we can't tie your sewer into into uh you know our system so you can't do sewer we we can't take the poop flow mm -hmm. and um and he couldn't fit a septic on it's on a hill so he couldn't get a septic it just turned into you know a huge nightmare you know when you're trying to even just doing a simple ground up or a CPR, you know, those kind of yeah. stuff. There's so much nuances uh, that you got to be ready for. You know, it's a lot easier yeah. to me to take a house that's already existing and paint it and put it back on the market. You know, there's yeah. little, little less uh, risk in that sense, but. Yeah. I, yeah, mean, so I did, uh, I did a lot of due diligence on, on this property we had in Kool-Aid. It was three acres. And um, we we started the CPR process, and basically um, 
what had happened is so it's three acres and you're you're tied to your water, right? The water flow. Mm -hmm. So it was a five-eighth intake. And so the the county will issue you credits. And so I did the math. Okay, this is the water credits on the existing house. If we build a secondary house and we split it, there weren't enough credits. And so I abandoned the idea, but what I didn't learn in the process where I could have CPR'd it was um, if you if you implement using low flow everything, mm. your your water credits go a lot farther, mm. right? Low flow toilets and sinks. And so I I technically it was technically a three hundred thousand dollar mistake hmm. because we could we could have pushed it through because that house we ended up selling for one point six it was on three acres and we were going to do two acres on the main and then I think the limit was you build a thousand square foot um, accessory dwelling and then you have your water credits. And the lot alone, one acre up in Kula, was like 350. Just that little one little piece of knowledge cost us a little bit. Well, a lot. But I'm 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 definitely interested in in well, we're talking about that word. Talk about credits and stuff like it. We didn't really dive into it. Might as well share about the affordable credits that stuff that you're how Wailea and stuff can get some of these credits. You wanna share yeah. with everybody some of that, you know, knowledge. Sure how credits and some of that all work, you know, the benefits yeah. of these kind of developments. Yeah. So we started the development and um, basically we didn't have any, um, anybody with our credit. So the way it works is if you're going to build a development anywhere in, in Hawaii, you have to do a certain percentage of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And so what a lot of times builders or developers will do is, is they'll do their thing in, in Wailea or wherever. It's gotta be somewhat proc in proximity. And in order to do that, you have to you have to offset and help another developer, either do it yourself or you buy those credits. And so we brought in um, LeadCore, who has a couple of projects going there. And basically they were, um, became our, um, slash lender and they also win LOI for a million dollars for the credits. And so the plan was So they they um, had credits. They, they had credits to give to you basically allow you to do it. No, no, no. They they oh. were buying our credits cuz cuz oh, we were yeah. doing the affordable housing and yeah. they're doing other market housing. So you can't do the market without the credits or mm. you know helping so they purchased our credits in order they were they were going to purchase our credits in order to to complete some of their projects mm. so that's sort of a kind of a thirty thousand, you know kind of look at the, the credits and how that and, works and define affordable housing how do they define affordable housing uh, yeah they have this uh, this thing um the ami index and you know i i actually tried to like rebrand it like i wouldn't call it affordable because it's not so the term i i tried to call it was attainable Damn. and so um they would look at your income and it, it was it was still considerably high so like you know you can make up to 120 140 in some cases depending on your your children and mm -hmm. you know if you made more than that then you couldn't even apply so it's based on your income um, and what you're earning being a local resident, 
and then you have to apply. But we literally had 140 applicants for 28 units um, ready, ready to go. And, and those applicants have to take a course uh, of, you know, first time homebuyer course just to qualify. So the good thing about that is it tells me the significant need, you know, that's there that we all know about. Hmm. Um, so in, in terms of our properties, like our three, two condo or townhome was 1300 square feet. And we were going to be listing it in the high fives. And at the time when they rejected the median condo price point was 830. Hmm. So, yeah, so it was, it was it, it, relatively, you know, speaking, yes. But, it, the, but again, put that out there to viewers of people listening in Hawaii, we have our medium home price. Well, I don't know what's at now. It's a million two. It was just at last month. And then condos are 600 across the state. That's average. So people are always scared. Like, oh, I can't buy a million two, you know, a million point two house. Like I can't afford that now. And as Bruce was just talking about, is just getting in affordable anything. Just get your foot in the door, something cheaper, you know, four or five hundred thousand dollar condo, which then you live in and you own as your first residence. Then you live in there for a few years and then you sell that and then you can either buy a bigger house and then you kind of get up to your million two house. It's not like you're just trying to buy your million two house right off the bat. You know, yeah. the thing thing we have in in Hawaii, why these prices are so big is because appreciation. The, our values go up really fast. And um, yeah. if you play the game, basically they appreciate so you buy something you sell for more and you buy something and you sell for more you're you're you are playing the game to you know move up in life too so yeah just yeah i always i always kind of like coach people looking for a house and I, i've helped a, a number of people get into a property where their, their budget was like 400 500 and i'd be like okay yeah. let's look at 600 700 even but just make sure that it's got one or two rentals. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. they went from paying the whole thing to house hacking sure. and paying less, but owning a more expensive house. I mean, shoot, even, even Brandon's doing it. You know, I, I have a rental and, you know, I pay, I pay like 200 bucks a month for my mortgage on yeah. a $2 million house. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I, I designed it where we have rentals. Yeah. For, uh, and so that's what I, I tell people in Hawaii a lot. Yeah. You have a very nice house. I've seen some pictures of it. You built it too, right? Yeah. 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 That was a year labor of love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like to touch on that affordable housing. That's, you know, it's good. To, I think a lot of people are curious about that and how that works. And, uh, you know, getting the tax credits is obviously next level stuff for these bigger players in the business who need the the tax credits so they can build and so forth. Yeah. But um, I'm sure a lot of people are curious about that affordable housing and how that works and just low income housing in general. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a bad term. It's just meaning you're, you know, it's uh, the state makes that requirement. So, you know, people can afford housing, you know, for a place to stay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it's 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 a good thing, you know. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a lot to dig through. I really hope that, you know, the council members can, can get it together a little more and help create programs that are going to streamline or um, help, you know, like, like even on Big Island, you can't CPR anymore, which we, we were talking about that for those of you that don't know. Basically, it's, it's condominiumizing where you take one parcel and then you're, you're subdividing it. It's the same parcel, but it becomes, you can have two separate owners, three separate owners. Yeah. Like they, they cut that out. I don't know. Like you were, you were probably here when they were still doing it. Yeah. In Kona. Yeah. I, I was, I don't, I didn't know at the time what was real estate yeah. even in general when I lived there. I was 18 years old. I moved away. But like uh, that could be just that one law alone getting changed could be massive yeah. for the housing problem on Big Island. And yeah. there's other laws that could help out. So I, I know talk, that it's hard. We talk about the housing problem and a lot of people think that the flipper like us or the developer is the, the problem, but it's not. It's actually the other way around. It's the solution. Um, it all comes down to supply and demand. We live on an island. Our island is so big and, you know, not that big at all, really. And we have all these, you know, families getting bigger. We have people moving out of their households, you know, mainland people coming, uh, military coming and going and, you know, uh, European or, or excuse me, uh, Asian, Asian buyers coming in. It's actually 75% of our sales is actually local people, believe it or not. So don't think it's too much mainland people. A lot of people think so, but yeah. these, these are local people are buying selling their houses or moving out or whatever. And, um, they have no place to, to buy, you know, the supply and demand, there's probably a couple hundred homes on the market right now. And, you know, if there's more people looking than their homes available, then the prices go up. And the only yeah. solution for that is to provide more housing, to provide, uh, you know, developments, to, to provide new homes for people to live in, revamped homes that are been abandoned, you know, not, you know, just sitting it's for people to have places to stay. You know, I hate to break it to you guys, but our society is not going to get any smaller. Our community is not going to get tiny. Uh, our, our Hawaii is going to keep growing. And that's just uh, mm -hmm. how it is. And uh, people need places to stay. And that's the one kind of great thing about real estate is people are always going to need a house to live in. You know, there are people, it's kind of one of those needs that you have to have. And uh, the only way to control that cost is to provide affordable housing, to provide housing for people. Um, and then that would offset the cost for real estate in general. And uh, people don't understand that often that that's the solution, you know, supply and demand. You, you got yeah. more you got more supplied and the demand goes down. So prices will go down. But, um, yep. you know, people think the developments and the affordable housing and all that stuff is a bad thing. And uh, it, it's really a solution to the problem we have, you know? And yeah. Big Island's a great island to be doing it at. Actually, Oriver Valley, there's a lot of land available. You know, there's a lot of great spots. You know, when you drive in Maui, you drive, you know, between uh, Kihei and and um, uh, Kahului or whatever, 
it, you can all that like dead it land in the middle of the island it's just like a, yeah you know you can you can easily make a little community in there yeah uh, in those areas but that really comes down to again going back to the government and and, and zoning and planning um because like one of the things that the the city council member she proposed for our development she's like well let's let's just do you know a land swap and and she threw it out there like it was like a real thing and again it gets thrown out there and so we would get all these messages like hey you should do the land swap there's there's no land available you know we even called the 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 mayor's office and we're like all right if you got something better you know We'll, you know, we'll, we'll make a we'll make a swap, but nothing was ever offered, and he, they wanted even as far as to say is we don't even have the right to do that, but because she said it, it made it her look really good, and then everyone started saying you know the conversation, hey developer guys, you should do that land swap, you know like like no there's no offer, um, so again just going back to government has all never been great at running a business because because in their mind is I just have to spend they get this money and it's like my job is to spend it not really care how it's spent whereas when you're in a business you got to take care of your your business and you have accounting and you have to make a profit yeah. and they just so it, it's, it's just a different mindset so in a way you're partnering with people that don't really understand business or money and that's, that's where the challenge true. is and that is true yeah you know, yeah. hopefully someone gets in there that has a background in business and, and yeah. they get you and, and they can help you be successful and create policies that will grease the wheels to get stuff done. I just want to take a quick second. And if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. I love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. So our last segment is uh, segment one, and this is where we talk. We get in questions and we get things from our, our viewers out there. And one of the questions we got, um, question and answer, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. Um, uh, what are you thankful for in your career and your journey? And this is from Justin. Um, so Justin, happy Thanksgiving for. What are we thankful for? Uh, what are you thankful for? I guess you first. Yeah. Uh, Justin, thanks for the question. Um, I'm thankful for, first of all, my, my family. Um, and in terms of relating that to real estate, I'm thankful that I didn't, I didn't let the, the mindset get me. Like you guys heard my journey it was really long. Like I could have been super wealthy if I had got like back in the day. Um, and I'm on my journey, but I'm grateful that um, I stayed with it. Because it, it could have been my biggest mistake is to never do it. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of people get held up is, is that fear just of getting that first deal done. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. The, the fear of diving on in. Um, you know, I, I, we're all thankful for so much. I guess I'm thankful for, first thing is my family's popped my head, of course. Um, I'm thankful for the journey. I'm thankful for being able to take that step as you were talking about and uh just to figure out real estate there was a there's a moment a couple of years ago when i i figured out i could go broke and figure this all out again like it just felt like a 
a winning moment in life. And I think I'm thankful for that moment of figuring it out that real estate was the path for me of, of this whole thing. Um, so thank you, Justin. Thankful for you guys out there too, Justin. Thank you for watching and listening. Um, and in the last segment, we normally talk about our deals of the week or highlights, but Bruce um, has a new podcast and let's hear about what you've got going on with your new bag podcast and what, uh, what interests, you know, for viewers, what, what do you have coming up? Yeah. So um, it, it kind of came through the story that I've been telling you about, but basically it's called my biggest mistake in real estate. And for me is just, I want to interview other successful investors and some of those mistakes that, that they've made and what did they learn from that? And it's not a doom and gloom. It's like, I, I want this to be a teaching tool because, you know, I think social media perpetuates like, look at me, I'm looking how awesome I am. You know, I'm doing so many great things. But if you were to, if you were to like, like, you know, Indar's on my weekly call, like we talk once a week and it gets real, you know, it's like, if you really look behind the curtain, you're dealing with a lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I just want to create a space where people are comfortable. Investors can share about those those challenges, right? Those mistakes mm -hmm. and how they learn from them. Um, and really, it, it kind of came about, the idea came the week that we got denied from the development. Mm -hmm. I was laying in bed. I couldn't sleep. I was like, ah, oh, this is terrible. You know, I've been working on this for two years. We're so much invested. And I just kind of heard this, that, that phrase, my biggest mistake in real estate. So it's helped me, it's going to help me process that. Um, and then also just network with great people and, and just talk story on, Hey, we're all on this journey. Let's learn together. Let's be real with the hard stuff as well as the good stuff, you know, let's get it all out there. So I'm starting that with uh, Tammy um, Ritchie, who was a part of our mastermind. And she's become a really good friend and we're starting to work on some multifamily stuff together in the Midwest. And so I'm super excited. Um, I hope you'll be well, on there. I'm sure you have plenty to talk it lead, about. <laughs> it leads to the very, the very end. How can people find you and how can you people find out who you are and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, probably the easiest would be uh, my Instagram, uh, Bruce properties. Hmm. And um, I'm, I'm pretty responsive on that. So just, if you got a question and want to reach out, um, Bruce Properties is it. And um, yeah. Nice. Well, <laughs> thank you guys always for following. And please comment. You know, I actually read the comments and I love answering questions as we do on this series right here. So comment and like and write some messages, write your opinion. And uh, there's no bad questions, guys. So thank you guys all for following. Uh, follow on Indar Hawaii is all my social, of course, and uh, check out Bruce's Bruce properties as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And thank you guys for just checking out the podcast. We're super appreciative of everybody and get ready for the next episodes, of course, coming up. So thank you guys. And you guys have a great aloha day.